This is a special All Things Watchmen episode. Watchmen comics, Watchmen movies, the sequel series. Um, there is also a video version of this episode available where I filmed it. I have thunderstorm in my background and it's really cool. I apologize that the audio for this episode really, really sucks. Um, I know I have to kind of speak quiet and I don't know what's going on with the noise. I'll fix the audio stuff in the upcoming episodes. I'll figure it out. But bear with me. This is Auditory Portals to Terra. Prepare your brain to get fired. special um, I would say visual portals to Terra episode now why it is special um, a couple of reasons first of all for people who are listening there is a video version of this available on YouTube so if you go to YouTube you can watch the video version the second reason is because it's uh, we're in a stormy Budapest right now and as you can see you might see catch some of the storm here uh, Stormy Budapest, not to be confused with Stormy Daniels. Um, third reason why this is a special episode. There's no Bowie, obviously, because it's a vi visual portal. Um, the last reason, because besides me having to speak like this, because I'm not sure if my uh, roommate is, flatmate is awake or not, but I'm sure he is, I don't know. Um, yeah, this is a midnight. This is another reason why it's special. Reason four, it's a midnight it's let's just call it midnight on Terra kind of segment uh, special episode and number five because this is a watchman special episode so it's midnight storm chamomile tea why not talk about watchmen like what what's what, what can be better than talking about watchmen um, all right so this is a special watchman episode so did you see the storm um the there was a thunder and I might hear the. Anyways, um, uh, this is a special episode. Uh, if you there's gonna be Watchmen spoiler, spoiler of the comic and the movie, and then in the end there will be spoiler for the TV show, the new one. Um, uh, I have some thoughts that I want to share about why this is probably my favorite comic. Not like yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't read that many comics, but I'm familiar with them. Like I grew up watching uh, like the Batman animated uh, series and stuff. So I, I don't know if that counts, but um, but as a person who wasn't a big comic. So first of all, let me tell you, I'm going to give you spoiler warning. So if you don't want spoilers for Watchmen, leave now. If you want spoilers for the main story, but you haven't watched the series, the, se uh, the sequel yet, then stick around. And in the end, I'll give a spoiler warning about the, you know, when, when we're going to start talking about the series. Uh, I keep saying we. Who's we? It's me, right here. In a, and a, and Stormy, Dan, uh, Stormy Daniels. Oh, hey, Stormy. Um, uh, <laughs> Stormy Daniels is here. Um, uh, so, um, let's begin. Watchmen. Like I said, I haven't... I didn't really grow up reading comics, so I was pretty late to the party, but um, 
I'm trying to catch up. Uh, I read Watchmen a few years ago, uh, like two years ago, I think. Uh, I was 24. Can you believe? Now I'm 26. I don't know what happened. Like, like a pandemic came. This is a Watchmen episode. You know what? I'm not gonna. Um, yeah. So this is my favorite fucking comics because as I started to read it, I just felt. I felt like I like it when, when the lore is big, when it's not just the, the story, when it's more than, you know, when it's more than just a, you know, just a linear story and it, it encourages you, like the story encourages you to go and, and check other mediums and try to dig deep and, and then try to put together the pieces. Like it's, there's a lore, it's mysterious. It just begins with um, going who the Minutemen are and then you have to, uh, here's the thing, I was reading the deluxe edition. That's, I think, how it should be done. Because in between chapters, there's complementary texts. And these complementary texts are, are like why I love this story. Um, for example, in the first few four chapters, it gives you this the Hollis Mason's um, story about the Minutemen. And uh, it starts to build, like slowly spoon-feeds you what world we're in. Now, the world that we're in, what I love about it is that superheroes are, are a representation of America. So there were the Minutemen in the 50s. And in the 50s, um, it, it, so none of them have superpowers. They're just heroes in capes, normal people in capes with fighting abilities. Now, these fighting abilities represent the, you know, the, how, what, what the heroes in the 50, 50s were depicted. Like it was all before the era of nuclear uh, and science and, and all that and, and like in the 80s especially when, when like the US and the USSR the Cold Wars and, and, and then the Red Scare and, and all that uh, in America um, before that it was it depicts a very like again the story began with a Bob Dylan song and Alan Moore was uh, I think inspired by this Bob Dylan song Desolation Row which, which even begins uh, the story begins with it when it says at midnight all the uh, the heroes and and the superhuman crew go round upon all the people who know more than they do, and and so that's how. Uh, another thing I love about the, again the comics is just again a mixture of song lyrics, which by the end of each chapter chapter I just went on my Spotify and I listened to the song and I felt like if I hadn't listened to the Bob Dylan song I wouldn't have understood the story because I see okay Bob Dylan songs is about well, what's happening to America at the time, which slowly became what happening to the world. And, uh, and it's basically talking about in that line, especially how uh, uh, it's all a parody of, of, of pop culture fiction and how like all these characters and these superheroes and uh, all the myths that have been spoon-fed to us are failing and they're all like in this desolation row. And, and then it also recounts like the lynchings that were happening at the time and so many dark and disgusting stuff. Uh, which was trying to be kind of like covered by all the all the uh, hopeful superhero Dalva. Anyways, but but then by the sixties there comes Doctor Manhattan. Now sixties represents you know the nuclear age. The uh, you know then again there's Vietnam War. We can see how all of that are then again represented in the superheroes of the time, and then the story in the eighties where it's like. There's not, there's no room for any of that anymore. Any, any spectacular, whatever. We're at the world's at the brink of war, and these guys have retired, and uh, and the law have sort of taken over them. Now in Watchmen, always the villain is the the elite, the big, uh, 
uh, now it sounds like very conservative point of view when we'll get to that by the way but um, like now if you're talking about the elite you might go like hey you QAnon or something but I think it, it was a very different uh, very similar but at the same time kind of different at times where and, and Alan Moore which you keep in mind he's a he's an anarchist um, there is a, so then the whole story, by the way, one of the main themes of this story is paranoia. Like and the whole story is paranoid and, and the, the, the world is paranoid. It, everything's depicted in a paranoid way. We can say the narration is to some extent unreliable, to some extent, like it, all the traumas of, of the narrators are always there, especially Rorschach. Like we can't, uh, you know, um, but us thinking like as why I love the story is that I read the whole story thinking who's the cape killer and slowly you go like this paranoia you you give in to this paranoia but the whole question is paranoid like there is no mass killer uh, the, it's all bigger than that and I think that's what the story wants to take you to wants you to be an average person like Rorschach was a sort of a conservative um, figure and, 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 and have these questions like, oh, have this hypothesis about, about the mass killer and, and to just be disappointed by the end going like, no, there's no mass killer. You guys are even pathetic and small for even thinking that small. We're thinking about way bigger things. We're thinking how to like, you know, and then, then it turns out it's a big elite plan and, and whatever was affecting them and it caused the death of the comedian, which resulted in, in the whole story and the investigations was just like a single pawn in the game of the global, whatever, Illuminati elite, whatever. Um, um, now, th th there is this Rorschach versus the establishment thing. By Rorschach, we can agree that it's, 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 we start thinking of him as the most disgusting character ever, which it can, it can arguably be. But then again, at the end, he's the hero because he's the only one who doesn't get, who keeps up his, keeps his dignity, keeps his honesty, which is the conservative libertarian American idea that that's what Rorschach represents. Rorschach is the average person. Rorschach has morality to some extent, but it's all like in his own fucked up, twisted way, right? And but the main thing about him is that he that he, he won't give in to the establishment he's he's a the paranoid agent on his own and and in alan moore's story the paranoid uh, let's say truther or whatever was right and uh that's why in general um alan moore is regarded as kind of sketch by many um not what one thing I like, one, one more thing I want to talk about these characters, like then that's what Rorschach represents, but then there's Silk Spectre and this, the two Silk Spectres. And uh, so the first Silk Spectre was in the 50s, basically uh, the mama Silk Spectre, uh, she wasn't a fighter, she couldn't fight, she barely did anything. She was basically this uh, sexualized uh, figure of a woman that, that, the, that the corporations was selling. and. Uh, but then the, the daughter uh, actually could fight and was a superhero and was capable, but she was then cursed with the, the fact that she's supposed to be Silk Spectre the second. Silk Spectre the second, Silk Spectre 
um, that's a good tongue twister. But um, and and then then there was the whole like you know again overly sexualized costume and everything, which but but then she was trying to not be her mother and not be that um, uh, that establishment person, which actually in the end we might say that all of her character development kind of goes to trash because she she in the end also says yeah cool and signs Ozymandias's uh, thing. Which, which we'll go back to why then I, I like the, the new show, but, um, uh, and that, that's what she represents. Again, I said, Dr. Manhattan, that, that's his own, like, fucking, that, that's his own amazing thing, where it, it just, like, as everything is, every, all this, it's like, this is a very meta story. So as everything is happening, uh, Dr. Manhattan is kind of like the voice of, like, a god, like, some somebody just looking at us and our pathetic problems and... And that chapter when he goes to Mars and starts talking about time and everything in the middle of all those earthly, humanly kind of um, things that are going on. It is fucking amazing just to have him just go to Mars and just reflect back at, at us like ants. And then we go back to Rorschach's character, which is the most earthly chapter, I think, which is chapter six, which is when Rorschach gets arrested and we finally see who he is. And he's unmasked and he turns out to be that crazy guy with a... Um, with the banner in at the funeral i mean it was kind of obvious at some point um but each of these characters represent a different angle and now you can say we have dr manhattan's kind of like um scope of the story which is like this big like deity kind of thing then we also have then the rorschach kind of story the guy on the ground then uh, you know it all goes a higher level which is then then ozymandias and what they think it's all it's all different levels of control uh, and different levels of agency over the world. But in the end, you can kind of see that none of them really have any agency, not even Dr. Manhattan. Um, but then there's the tale of Black Freighter, which is, which again, I'm talking about the different layers, the deluxe edition, so the song, the complimentary material, they're all great, but then there is the Black Freighter, um, which Zack Snyder actually made made it a part of his movie, he made a 30 minute animation, which is I think the only good thing about that movie, uh, which is they adapted the Black Freighter, which I think Russell Crowe or somebody voiced it, and uh, it's amazing, so Black Freighter is basically about the story of this guy, you know, the comic that, that the kid keeps reading as they're following Doomsday Clock, and eventually it ends with Manhattan being destroyed and those guys dying, and, and wow, did you see the thunder, um, there was those guys dying, and um, Basically, Black, the, the story of Black Freighter happening, which is, again, very meta. And uh, so in Black Freighter, this guy is, uh, um, he was taken captured by this ship, the Black Freighter, which is also a reference to a Nina Simone song, another song reference. And you got to go listen to that song and see what that song is about. And then you realize, oh, why they called. Uh, and please listen to this song, all of them. If you're going through Watchmen, you better go through again, listen to the song, read the complimentary material, everything, to get every single reference that they're trying, the image that they're trying to make. And so, this Nina Simone song, uh, I'm not gonna go through the lyrics, but if you read it, you'll understand that. So this, this ship takes them and, and uh, um, leaves, uh, leaves him out there, he's them he headed for his island, where his wife and children are and everything, and he's, there uh, in this deserted island and he has to make his way back home and I don't know like, I don't specifically remember how but he he overcomes a lot of obstacles and he finds his way back home and uh, throughout this this 
you know, journey. He goes to the depths of hell and he becomes so paranoid and so, uh, again, back to the theme of paranoia, so fearful of the enemy, the Black Freighter, that as he goes to the island, he sees, uh, he starts like kind of seeing things from a way, from a perspective. And again, back to the unreliable narrator, uh, is that as you're reading it, you think that, okay, so this guy's, uh, I don't remember how it was depicted, like he sees like kind of a woman with, 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 with another guy and, and he, he assumes that if these guys are like this guy is like courting her and, and if that's happening then the island must uh, have already been taken or something like that but but what's actually happened is that the ship hasn't hasn't been here yet or something like that so he goes in and he actually starts slaughtering everybody thinking being so paranoid by the enemy that he actually slaughters his own people and his wife and children uh, thinking that the enemy has already gotten here and, and he sees everybody as an enemy and by the time that he slaughtered everybody the black freighter arrives uh, and he's already done the job for them uh, so crazy as I'm telling this story the fucking it's so cool anyways um, and that's what was happening to America at the time and at least according to Alan Moore with the Red Scare that America was so paranoid with Russia that they were kind of destroying themselves. Now we go back to how here the elite and the establishment kind of offers a solution there. And and now I'm not talking about the sequel, just again, sticking with the main story, which to me is, is it on its own, it should be adapted into other things. Like now I see the DC universe has like Watchmen versus Justice League, whatever, or Batman and Rorschach meet, and I'm like, please, these two worlds are totally different worlds. Like one is a mythological world of like Batman, which is like, whatever, it's a, it's a classic comic book. Watchmen is a statement, it's a sociology statement, it's a political study statement. It shouldn't be mixed with the, with the other super mythical world because Watchmen is as realistic as possible in, in a way that they're depicting things. Um, and then again, so it goes back to the octopus alien and, and how, how a, cat a big catastrophe could unite us all, um, which again, looking at COVID, I don't think so. I don't think so, Mr. Alan Moore, but at least the thesis of the story is that it did unite us all. Ozymandias's intellect and, and plan and, and power and influence uh, and very Epstein-esque kind of island, which is kind of like Epstein of, of like artists, which he creates. Um, all of that is cool and, and, and it works, but to what extent? Like it works in the sense that it results in world peace, but it many lost their lives. So for for all those individual citizens of Manhattan who lost their lives, it wasn't worth it. And that's what Rorschach can, has the enough humanity in him still, which is what what's depicted. Now, I'm not justifying the character. Character is fucking disgusting, it has a lot of fucking misogynistic, insulty kind of thoughts, and yada yada, not to be idolized. But you gotta admit that in that moment, he's the hero. He's the, he, you are admiring him for being the only person when, when there's Dryberg and, and, and Sil Specter and all these characters where well they're deconstructed in that moment when they all give in and they say, Alright, and, and maybe that's what I would do. Maybe that's the realistic thing to do. I mean what are you gonna do? But Rorschach rather is uh, is dumb enough in a way to just walk out and be killed by Dr. Manhattan instantly, but stand for the truth. And uh, and write that journal, you know, which I mean, later will be regarded as a conspiracy, most probably, and also according to the TV show. 
what I love about what, now talking about um, Snyder's story, what I really really love about Watchmen is that uh, is is the experience. Like I said, you read it like the pages. Like for example, I one of the most shocking things I think for any Watchmen reader was the pages when the it's like a few pages of just like Manhattan and everybody's dead and the octopus tentacles staring at you and there is one line and that's something about and the new the brave new world or something just one line and that horrific image and before that you don't really see anything that horrific um, but in Zack Snyder's movie he just went full Snyder with the blood and the gore and the cheesy music while it's slow motion blood and everything looks black and dark in terms of like color editing like black and blue like the Snyder black and blue which I really like like the Justice League his Justice League so it looked amazing this new Snyder cut but I don't think it works well with Watchmen because Watchmen is sort of sacred and every freaking color used in the comics was was on purpose so I was looking for that image when I then went to watch the movie and I was expecting that colors those imagery I didn't. It was Snyder. It was blood, 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 cheesy blood. Although some of the actors were amazing, like I think that the Dryberg Seals Factor and the Rorschach were amazing. Like the Rorschach actor, I've never seen him anywhere else, but he killed the character. So there is a lot of things we should give the movie credit for. But the Ozymandias sucked. The color things fucked up. The whole movie was full of blood. But in the end, the moment where there was supposed to be shit out of blood and you were supposed to shock us and give us the, the the tentacles and that it was done in such a bad way where where dr manhattan and, and sil specter just go there and they're like all right the world's been this uh, manhattan's been destroyed and then just go back and it's just awful but if you follow the comics or even there's a motion comics online which is also amazing it's like so dramatic that the part where you're you're reading this and 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 Rorschach goes like, Dryberg, he did it. And he goes like, if, do you think if... And he reveals his plan and turns on the TV and then you read this. And it's like, you get the goosebumps. But Snyder kind of like um, went so gory from the beginning and didn't even show that image. It was just like, they, they, had a, they slightly changed it, but that slight change changed the whole thing. There was no, you know... And, and it was also an interesting meta twist where the artist of Black Freighter, which was supposedly um, lost, ended up being one of the guys who was working on the island, on the, on the alien. But all of that was cut. And, uh, and uh, I think Snyder does that a lot. Like Also, I felt like that with 300 and even some scenes with, with the new Justice League. Like I remember there's a lot of Wonder Woman scenes when he just slow moves and he goes... Nah. Middle Eastern music and uh, cool, but dude, like he overdoes it so much. And then there is fucking Simon Garfunkel, hello darkness, my old friend, kill me. What are you doing, man? But um, yeah, but I feel like he did not capture the essence of the story at all. Anyways, but the Black Freighter, uh, that he did the Black Freighter story uh, really well, and uh, and it was good too. To just like look at from the Hollis Mason book complementary material and everything, all it all comes together, how it all comes together, and uh, it was just twelve chapters, n n n just enough. It shouldn't have been more. It shouldn't have been less. 
it's just 12 chapters, a powerful statement, and, uh, and I think it's the most amazing comic book ever written. Now I'm also a big fan of other uh, works of Alan Moore, Before When That Time and Killing Joke, and uh, he got that Prometheus I still haven't read, but uh, that's on my list, I'm gonna read Prometheus. Um, now we talked about the Snyder cut. Oh, one thing I also want to point out is that um, I really like how, and again, theft, inspiration, we talked about it. There's an episode about it, the Jacob episode two or something. But um, I don't really believe in that, like, so Incredibles. Incredibles is basically a ripoff of Watchmen for kids, but it's good, I like it. It doesn't have the nuances, it doesn't go deep in, it just takes Watchmen's plot as a surface and, um, and it just makes it a fathomable animation. And Incredibles is one of my favorite fucking movies ever. So I, I, I like, you know, I like what they did with it. But it, we can start with like, yes, superheroes in the 50s, but now they have to retire. Now they're trying to have a normal life. But Adventure Calls, there's a secret island when they're doing some secret thing. And the villain turned out to actually be secretly some, there's a villain like revelation where you must go like, oh, like, you know, a plot twist. And then he creates a threat that doesn't exist so he can come out as a hero. And so all of that is basically Watchmen. Like, uh, I think they've acknowledged it, uh, the, the creators, in, in certain inter interviews. Um, the whole world of Watchmen has, has a taste of anarchy in it. Um, uh, besides, like, uh, you know, it's all uh, Alan Moore is an anarchist, but then again, I was going to talk about this, that Rorschach nowadays maybe would have been a Trump supporter, you know. He represents a part of America that is uh, very underrepresented. And, um, and obviously, like, I don't want to get into politics, I said, but not a big fan of Trump, let's say. Uh, and um, in general, not a big fan of politicians. And, but, but here's the thing that... Uh, now we're gonna enter the new show, Spoiler Zone, if you haven't watched the, the Watchmen show, which is a sequel, we will spoil it now. Um, so, I like the show, although it wasn't a good show, it shouldn't have continued. I know Lindelof, Damon Lindelof, who wrote it, who created it, he's a, he's a big Watchmen fan, but he's also the guy who created Lost, which is one of my favorite TV shows. And... Um, I always loved like like nuances of love lost and I think this one also that his Watchmen had those nuances because you can see that he's a big comic book fan and goes deep into those things that we really wanted and it gives you a few episodes and he ends with a cliffhanger but then he decided not to create another one and I, I think he made the right decision but there are some episodes on their own that are masterpieces for example there's one about who the justice like we never knew why who the who he was why he wore that thing there was in the comics they say it was a wrestler who died or whatever. But I really like how he modernized it and he turned out he came up with the idea that Hooded Justice might have been uh, from an African American, an African American at the time who was like you know there were the, there was all the lynchings happening and uh, and actually the story happens in Tulsa, uh, uh, Oklahoma. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting like take on it and I love that that whole episode. Um, about Hooded Justice and it explained a lot about like the whole myth of the character but then again I'm a purist I, I'd, I'd prefer it if the if if we didn't know who Hooded Justice is but I can I can differentiate between the two you know I 
I like A Song of Ice and Fire and I also like Game of Thrones. I can know the difference that there is, there are stories, they're just told differently, you know. Um, uh, it's not that there's no holy Bible, uh, they're both different takes on it and they're both great statements. Um, one more thing I really loved about the show was that they actually included the, the scene that we didn't get to see in the movies. We get to see the, the whole Manhattan Destroy Octopus scene in the best way possible. And we have another conservative character, uh, I forgot his name, the Mirror Guy. Uh, I don't know, uh, Silk Spectre called him the Mirror Guy. Um, oh yeah, and, and also we get to see where Silk Spectre's character ended up. So it was more like a little bit of a redemption to the character development that she had going and then suddenly it was just like, nah, she just bought into the system. And, uh, and I really loved um, the direction they went with, with all those loose ends, but it was more like a fan fiction. And again, coming from Damon Lindelof, I, I take it, I think it was done well, it looked good. And, um, and that Mirror Guy character and that Mirror Guy episode was interesting and I think it was a, it was a good um, uh, yeah, representative and, and it gave a good insight into, into conspiracy theory mind that people and the fact that sometimes they might get some things right, you know what I mean? Anyways, um, and uh, what else? Just gonna take a look at this list. Um, yeah, I think I talked about everything and that is why Watchmen is one of my favorite fucking things, stories ever. Um, even if you listen to this and you haven't watched it, read it or something, do so. Um, it's, I think by this time it should be 1am and I'm doing this. It was actually fun doing it with the lightning strikes and all the, all the, yeah, it was, it was a very fucking heavy metal episode. Um, uh, thank you for listening. Um, I don't know how to close this. I've never closed this in person. I don't know. So I guess I'm gonna bye. 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 The white. Oh, just gonna fucking why did I do that? Why did I do that? I'm gonna, now I'm gonna have to close another way. I'm gonna close in a more. Um, this is Adi Potori Porus to Prepare your brain to get fucked.